This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg We are on page 364 Creation is something from nothing and cannot come about through the evolution or the process of one level evolving into a lower level, giving birth to the next level, one cause leading to the effect, which leads to the next effect, which becomes the cause to the next effect. Everything in this world has a source, a spiritual source. Like the, the energy of the animal has a spiritual source, its root, its source. So everything changes forms. One level of energy leads to another level of energy, leads to another level. And it can be endless chain of cause and effect, the chain, chain reaction from a higher rung to a lower rung to even lower rung, but they're all connected. And it's not something from nothing. The effect exists in the cause, just like the child exists in the mother's womb, and the mother gives birth to the child. So the mother is the cause, and the child is the effect. Intellect gives, uh, gives birth to emotions. The emotions exist within the intellect in, in a pregnant form in a potential form, and then it's actualized. So you have the potential, and then you have the potential is actualized. You have the, the cause, and the cause leads to the effect that gives birth. So the effect is there in the cause. It's nothing new. It just reveals. It descends. It takes it to the next level. It evolves. But it's the same thing almost, but just linking and going to the next level. But even if you had an endless chain of links and cause and effect, it would never ever conclude with the creation of something material. How do you get something material? Something dense. This is what we call something from nothing. Ex nihilo. Something that did not exist in its source. If it existed in its source, it's not nothing. Something from nothing means something brand new. Something Creation is something brand new. Something that does not exist. Not even a potential for it. It just doesn't exist. There's no precedent for it. There's nothing that prepares you for it. It's not logical. Cause and effect is logical. There's a cause, logically, it leads to effect. There's a mother, a mother will give birth to a child. It's logical. Intellect will give, uh, understanding, comprehension will give birth to feelings. Feelings, will, in turn, will give birth to thought. Thoughts will give birth to speech. 
speech will give birth to, act, to, birth to action. This is all a logical causation. One step leads to the next step, it leads to the next step, and go on endlessly. But the lowest step is connected to the highest step. And in some way, in some form or shape, the lowest step is found in the higher step. Like we said, the soul of the animal, the soul of the lion, the energy of the lion is found in its celestial root and source, which is the angels, which I also refer to as lions. So even though it's a very long progression from the celestial angelic lions to the lions in the zoo and the lions in the wild, but nevertheless, there's some connection. In an endless chain, a long chain. Just like sweetness. There's many levels of sweetness. There's a physical sweetness. There's sweetness in doing someone a favor and loving someone. Kindness. There's sweetness in understanding an idea. It's very sweet when you understand an idea, a beautiful idea. You finally grasp the idea. The sweetness in music. The sweetness in ideas. The sweetness in desire. In pleasure. Now, the sweetness in spirituality. A spiritual experience. An ecstatic spiritual experience. A mind-blowing spiritual experience. A tremendous sweetness. It's all sweetness. But of course, you can't compare the sweetness of a candy to the sweetness of love, to the sweetness of comprehending an idea, to, to the sweetness of a spiritual experience. So it's, it's the sweetness that descends from one level to the lower level to a lower level. And it can be endless progressions. It can go on endlessly, endless progressions. How do you come to something physical? How do you end up with a physical lion, with a physical body? What's the connection? There's zero connection between energy and matter. How does energy end up being matter? How does the atoms and the atomic energy end up being this table and you and I and physical, tangible? And this explains why, it's interesting to say, Maimonides points out, that everywhere in the Torah, the Torah speaks in the language of men. Even when the Torah speaks about God Almighty Himself, the Torah speaks in the language of man. God sees. Now, is that a foolish statement? God has eyes. God sees. God is not physical. I mean, God sees. God hears. God speaks. Hashem. What does it mean? it means it's a parable. Just like when a person sees. So we say that God sees. God speaks in the language that we understand. We understand the, the idea that we are able to see something. We're able to see. And we see and we respond and it registered. So, if God created sight, surely He has sight. He, he's able to see. He can't give something you don't have. So if God is able to create sight, surely God sees. Not God has eyes. God has God sees. So it's a parable. We're not saying that God has physical eyes and you picture God with huge eyes seeing. <laughs> That's idolatry. As my Maimonides points out. But it's a parable. We're saying that just like we see and know what's going on around us, God sees and notices and everything registers. And God hears. And God speaks. So all of the senses we find in the Torah 
comparable to God. One exception. The sense of touch. Yes, I think once in Job, it says that Job complains that God touched me. But there he's using it as a metaphor that God punishment touched me, that he, he you know, he, he only meant it metaphorically, that I was touched by God's, I was touched by God's, uh, that Job suffered so terribly. He said, God touched me. That he, meant, he meant to say, as the commentaries say there, that his, God's wrath t- touched me, and God's anger touched me, and God's punishment touched me. But not that God himself touches. We don't find anywhere in the Torah, it says God sees, and God speaks, and God, God listens. We don't say anywhere in the Torah, God touching. Of course, we, we say the hand of God. God's elevated hand, mighty hand, great hand. That's a parable. But we don't say God touches. God speaks, yes. God hears, yes. God, speaks, God sees, yes. We don't see anywhere it says God touches. Why not? Job says, I was touched by God. But we don't say that God touches. Even as a parable. Why not? What's the difference? What's the distinction between the sense of touch and the other senses? Everyone knows that God has no eyes. No one takes it literally. If you take it literally, my mind says, you're a heretic. God has no image. You know, that create graven images. Think of God and image of God as a huge person sitting in heaven with eyes and ears and sitting on his throne. But it's a parable. Everyone understands. It's a parable. God created the eyes. Surely God sees. So we say God sees. God listens. God hears. So why can't you say God touches? It's just a parable. Of course, no one's going to think that God is physically touching. And Maimonides points out, we don't find it anywhere in the Torah. Why not? Because when you say God is sees, we're not talking about the physical act of seeing we're talking about the content when you say a parable when I give a parable it's the content of the parable there's a moral to the story I'm trying to bring out a point so I'm using this vehicle to bring out a point I'm using a parable a simile to bring out a point it's the point that I'm bringing out the point is a spiritual point but I'm using a physical vehicle to bring out a spiritual point. I'm here, and you're there, and I see you, and I'm connected, I'm connected to you by my seeing or hearing. I can interact with the world around me through my seeing and hearing. I see, I see what's going on around me. I hear what's going on around me. It registers, I respond, I react. So it's a parable to the idea of seeing and hearing that God sees and God hears. Everything that happens in this world registers and God sees and God responds and God notices and God pays attention and He's listening to every word and to everything and He's listening to our thoughts and He sees everything. 
and he cares and he sees and he responds and registers. So I'm not talking about the physical act of seeing. Of course, God doesn't have eyes and God doesn't physically see. We're talking about the content. But we, can only th- we can't think abstractly. We can only think in terms of our own personal experience. So the Torah has, no tr- the Torah has to use language from our personal experience. I know about seeing from my own personal experience. I can see. So I can talk about God in the ways and terminology that I understand. God sees. God hears. I know what you're talking about. Otherwise, it's too abstract. I can't relate to it. can't connect it. It's like a child, a little child. You have to tell him that two tables and two tables equals four. The child is too young yet. He's three years old. He doesn't understand abstract mathematical concepts. He can't start with algebra and he can't, he can't jump into abstract mathematical ideas. You tell him two tables and two tables. Oh, I know what you're talking about. A table, I can touch it. One table, two tables, three tables, four tables. Oh, now I understand. He hasn't yet, he's not developed enough to know that just like two tables and two tables is for maybe two chairs and two chairs is also for, you know. So you have to teach him from something that he knows and slowly teach him the idea and the concept till he starts grasping the idea. Once he grasps the idea, he doesn't need the word tables anymore. Two plus two is four, period. Doesn't matter if it's two tables or two books or two chairs or anything. So an analogy is you could only teach a person from his personal experience from what he knows. Our reality is our senses, is what we see and what we hear and what we taste and what we touch and what we smell. This is our reality, our minds, our personal experience. So we talk about God, we have to talk in our reality. Using that as a parable to convey, to express a, an idea. To express an idea that God connects, that God hears and He sees. Just like we connect through seeing and hearing. So too, God connects and sees and notices and registers and cares and engages and involves. So we say God sees and God hears. So when we give a parable, what does the parable add? We're adding something. We're explaining something. It's illuminating. It's enlightening. It teaches us something. It's the moral of the story that we're trying to get. But if you use the sense of touch, what is the sense of touch? There's no moral to the story. There's no content. Touch is physical, material. That's all it is. The material is just about I. I exist. Without any content. There is no content. It's all about my existence. Continuing my existence. Self-preservation. I exist. There's no content. There is no point. I don't need a point. I don't need a reason or rhyme why I exist. I exist. And everything in this world from the amoeba on down is trying to continue its existence. Why should you exist? It's the exact opposite of content. The exact opposite of spirituality. Spirituality has to look for a reason. Why, why should I exist? What's the meaning? What's the content? What's the point? What's the purpose? If there's no meaning, if there's no content, if, then it's, then if there's no soul, there's no energy, there's no life, then it doesn't mean anything. I have to justify existence. Spirituality, by definition, has to justify its existence. 
the fire jumps upward. The fire doesn't want to exist. Give me a reason why it should continue my existence. The fire wants to disappear, be absorbed in its source. You have to force it down with a wick, with something physical. Because spirituality is, I need, what's the meaning? What's the content? Give me content, give me meaning, give me purpose, give me a reason. Just to exist for the sake of existence. I am. Why? I am because I am. That's not a reason. It's empty. It's meaningless. That has zero content. Just continue your existence. Expand your existence. The tree grows and grows in its body. The physical bark in the tree grows and expands its being, expands its existence. What does it stand for? What does it mean? Why should you continue your existence? So the whole point of the physical is the antithesis of the spiritual. Spirituality is about point, content, content, meaningfulness, purpose, why. It's to answer the question, why? What's this, what am I all about? What's this all about? What's the meaning behind it? Why is this here? And why am I here? Because there's a cause. I go deeper. Well, there's a reason. There's something that brings me into being. There's a reason I'm here. And let's go to a deeper reason. There has to be a reason. There has to be a justification. There has to be an explanation. There has to be a reason why. That's what we call Ishtal Shalut. cause and effect. There has to be a reason. Everything that exists is, is an effect. Okay, so why am I here? What's this all about? There's a child. Okay, there's a mother. Why am I here? Because there's a mother. There has to be a reason I'm here. A justification, an explanation. A point. The whole point of something from nothing, of the physical, of the tangible, the sense of touch, is that it's pointless. There is no meaning. There is no purpose. I'm not looking for a, for a justification. I'm not seeking a justification. I am. I exist. Why do I exist? I don't need a why. That's the point of something from nothing. I exist. I have no reason why I exist. I don't need a reason why I exist. I am. Something, not only from nothing, for nothing. <laughs> something for nothing. I don't know. That's why we call it something from nothing. I have no reason to exist. I have no justification for existence. There's no rhyme and there's no reason. I didn't exist before. I'm not, I don't, I'm not in the source. I don't exist in my source. There's no justification for my being. And yet here I am. Where do you come from? Why are you here? I don't need a why, and I don't need a justification. It doesn't bother me. I don't, I'm not looking for explanations. I am, period. And my whole point and my whole being is to expand this I am, this empty, meaningless, purposeless existence. Not why do I exist, but what? What is what? No, not why, just that I exist. So that's why Maimonides says he, the Torah he can't use it as in a parable. What's the parable? There's no content. You can't use the sense of touch which is all about the physical and the material and the body. The body of the lion and our bodies, our physical, the sense of touch. Because there's, that's the whole point. There is no point. There is no reason. There's no rhyme. There's no content. You can't use it as a parable. God touches. What, what does, God touches doesn't tell me anything. 
The physical doesn't tell me anything. A parable, by definition, means there's a point. There's a moral. There's a lesson. There's significance. There's purpose. It's teaching me something. There's a content. But I'm using the parable as a vehicle to explain, using my language and my world to explain an idea, a deep idea, an abstract idea. So from our sense of sight and our sense of hearing, we understand, we learn a very deep concept about Hashem and Hashem's interrelationship and interaction with us. That's why you use it as a marshal. Hashem sees, Hashem hears, Hashem speaks. Parable. But to say God touches, touches has no value, has no meaning, has no purpose. It's just being. Something from nothing, something for nothing. I exist. And it doesn't even bother me to ask why I exist. Doesn't even, I don't even question why I exist. What's the point? What's the purpose? That's what he calls something from nothing. Not something from something. Hishtalshalus, this natural evolution, is something from something. This is my cause. I'm the effect. The effect exists in the cause. The effect is a natural evolvement from the cause. It's a natural progression. That's something from something. Something for something. I stand for something. <laughs> There's a reason. There's a why. I come from something. This is something from nothing. Something for nothing. I don't stand for anything. What's my position? What's my platform? What's my position in life? I exist. Why do you exist? Where do you come from? Nothing. I have nothing to say. I have no idea where I come from. It doesn't bother me. I'm not even asking the question, where do I come from? You can ask the question, we also learned earlier that the, uh, the wisdom of divine emanation is also something from nothing. But there, wisdom is asking the question. I know that I come from, but I don't know from where I come. But I know, and it bothers me, and I want to know. I know I have a source, but I don't know my source. It's beyond me, but I know that I have a source. But in the, when it comes to the physical world, this world, the creation of the physical, the material, the sense of touch, here something from nothing means, not that I'm asking where I come from and I don't know. I'm not even asking where I come from. And that's why we call it nothing. It's not, even, it's not even on the agenda. It's not even, it's not even part of my language. So much so that I deny that there's even a cause. For a person to claim that there's an intelligent, intelligent, purpose of creation today a person who's a creationist in the year 2015 is laughed at is someone who's like which universe do you live in which rock did you crawl out of you believe in intelligent design 
There's a building, there's a builder, right? There's a book, there's an author. There's a piece of jewelry, there's a creator. Everything in this world has to have a reason. Everything that exists, there's a country, there's a George Washington, there's a founder. And yet, when it comes to our being and our existence, oh, I exist. Does it bother me to question where do I come from? Why do I exist? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? What's it all about? You go through your whole life, people go through the whole life and never ask themselves once that question. Why am I here? What's the purpose? Doesn't bother me. I am. I'm here. Does it trouble me? Do I lose sleep at night? Am I curious even? Where do I come from? Why am I here? What's the purpose? No. And I proclaim, people today proclaim, there is no purpose. <laughs> there is no rhyme, there is no reason, there is no purpose. We just exist. We're just a blip and we exist and live for the moment and have fun because there is no rhyme, there's no reason, there's no meaning, there's no purpose, there's nothing. Just being, have fun, live for the moment, enjoy life. Nothing matters. There's no root, there is no source. We're not coming from anywhere, we're not going anywhere. And they feel very comfortable with that position. Even denying that there's a cause, denying common sense, common simple logic that any five-year-old child can understand. Logic dictates there has to be a reason, there has to be intelligence. Intelligent design. Especially with everything that we know today about the universe. If anyone told you that the Empire State Building one day, the general contractor put all the material that went into the Empire State Building and he piled it up together in 34th Street and 5th Avenue. And then he went away for the weekend. He went uh, fishing and then he came back. And Sunday morning there was a big bang. And he came back and there was the Empire State Building fully erected with windows and wires and signs and elevators and he said it with a straight face, he would be uh, locked up in an insane asylum. Yet the human body, which is probably a trillion times more complex than the Empire Staple, a <laughs> hundred trillion cells. The human brain is a hundred billion cells with, hundred tr- with tens of trillions of synapses and connections, more complex than the whole known universe together, in just in one hour little brain. Every one of us, a hundred trillion cells, all operating perfectly. And then all of this just happened. There was a big bang and it just happened. We crawled out of some bacteria from the sea and it just happened spontaneously. I mean, I mean, in a sane world, it would be locked up in a sane asylum. And yet anyone who dares suggest that there's intelligent design is ridiculed. You must be some old-fashioned Jew takes the Torah so literally, really believes in intelligent design and believes in God. Get with the program. Have fun. Enjoy life. There is no rhyme. There is no morality. There is no ethics. Be completely amoral. Live. Have fun for the moment. This is the position. This is something from nothing. I am. Why? Why are you? Anything that's spiritual asks itself needs a justification. What's the meaning? What's the purpose? Why am I here? There has to be a reason. I come from somewhere. There's a cause. There's, there's a content. 
And yet, the physical, the sense of touch, the body, the material, our position and platform is, I exist. And my whole reason for being is just to continue my existence. No rhyme and no reason. Of course, the ultimate expression of that, we see it in, in tragically, in cancer cells, that really just continue to exist without a rhyme or reason. And it, it takes all the energy and destroys the body and destroys itself. It's so completely suicidal. Because by killing off the, per- the person, the, dies, the cells, the cancer cells die as well. But there's no rhyme and no reason. I am. You don't belong here. What are you doing? You're not completely... You're not doing anything, you're not productive, you're completely 100% counterproductive. There's no point of your being here. Your whole being here is just destroying the person. I am. What are you going to do? You're going to sue me? You're going to arrest me? Cancer cells are here? I am. I am because I am, and I'm going to swallow up everything in my path, and there's no logic and no rhyme and no reason, completely destructive. And it just endlessly continues to continue its existence until it destroys everything in its path and destroys itself. But this is the position. Maybe it's no accident that the proliferation of this terrible, terrible disease exploded over the last hundred years. Every physical illness is just a symptom of a spiritual illness. Because of the proliferation of absolute ego that we've seen over the last hundred years. Something from nothing. Something for nothing. The position of modern man is, I exist. God? I have no use for God. I'm not for, I'm not against, it's just not part of my world. I don't need a rhyme, I don't need a reason, I don't need a justification, I'm not seeking, I'm not searching, I'm not hungry, I'm not looking. This universe is self-sufficient, I don't need it, I don't need, God is not part of the equation. I'm a self-made man. The universe runs on its own. And who needs God? I don't, need, I don't even need a justification. Intelligent design? There's no intelligent design. The world just is. This is something for nothing. Something for nothing. Something. I exist. Why should you exist? I don't know and I don't care. I don't have to justify myself. I exist because I exist. Because I said so. That's it. And this is what this universe, this physical universe, how do you get, that's the question, how do you get from something spiritual? How do you evolve into something coarse and crass and materialistic and physical and tangible? Which the whole position of this physical, tangible world, which is self-preservation and ego, is the antithesis, the exact opposite of spirituality. Spirituality represents meaning and purpose and content and answering the question, why do I exist? What's my source? Why, what's my rhyme? What's my reason? Where is this all coming from? The spiritual person suffers from existential angst. Why should I exist? What is the meaning of existence? What's the purpose of existence? Why am I here? I need to justify it. I need to answer that question. 
What's the position of the material? Material person? Of this world? I exist. I don't need, I don't, I don't need any justification. It doesn't bother me. I don't lose any sleep. People go through the entire life without even questioning one. What's the purpose? And by the way, this includes many very pious religious Jews who just study the revealed part of the Torah, never studied the secrets of the Torah, the soul of the Torah. They just learn the technical and mechanical parts of the Torah. And they can be quite brilliant. And it doesn't bother them. They never once stop and ask, why am I here? What's the purpose? Why did God create the world? It doesn't bother me. It's none of my business. I'm here. That's all I know. That's all I care about. I'm here, and I'm brilliant, and I'm studying, and I'm a scholar, and I love it, and it's wonderful. And I'm very comfortable with myself. And everything is wonderful. Nothing bothers me. I don't lose too much sleep. And it's just an opportunity to prove how sharp and brilliant I am. So life is good. <laughs> life is good. Life is wonderful. In these United States of America. So the whole position of the physical and the material is the antithesis, the exact opposite of the whole position of, spiritual, of the spiritual, the spiritual realm. So how do you get, how do, this, how do you make that leap? How do you get from spiritual to physical, from energy to matter? There's no connection. Not only is there no connection, it's the exact opposite. So the physical doesn't exist. It's not that it evolves. The spirituality evolves into something material. No. Spirituality could evolve into something spiritual, into something in a lower level. And a lower level, the cause gives birth to the effect, which the effect in turn becomes the cause to the next effect. Intellect gives birth to emotions, which give birth to thought, which give birth to speech, which give birth to action. And there could be an endless chain reaction, an endless progression from one, like a chain, a long, long chain, but every chain is linked. One is linked to each other, and the lowest rung is connected to the highest rung all the different levels of sweetness from the most sublime down to the sweetness in the apple. But it's sweetness. It's, it's, it's something, something spiritual. But on each level, different levels, the soul of the angels all the way down to the lion, the soul and energy of the lion, which is a parable to the soul of the angels because it's the spiritual energy of the lion. So spirituality could evolve from one level to the next level, but how do you get to the physical body of the lion? To the physical, to the tangible, to the material. Self-preservation, ego, I. Continue my existence. No rhyme and no reason. No justification needed or required. Where does this absolute ego come from? This is not something that could evolve from spirituality. You can have endless progressions, infinite progressions. You'll never ever arrive at something material and tangible and physical. Because spirituality is content and meaning and purpose and has a reason. There's a why. There's a cause behind it. And material is the exact opposite. There is no cause. There is no why. There is no meaning. There is no purpose. I am because I am. I just exist because I exist. End of story. How do you get that absolute existence and being from something spiritual? That's why Maimonides says that the Torah can never use a parable. The Torah never uses a parable for God. The Torah says God sees and God hears and God speaks. The Torah will never say God touches, the sense of touch. Because you can't use it as a parable. 
A parable means it's to convey a content, a point. There's a moral to the story. There's a moral to the parable. It's just you want to convey a point. So you're bringing out a spiritual content. So everything in this world is a parable and contains something spiritual, a point, something deep, something profound. The sense of touch conveys nothing. It just conveys existence, being, I am. It has no content. It has no meaning, it has no point, it has no purpose. It just is. So you can't use it as a parable to God. It's not, it's, it doesn't convey anything. It doesn't, it has no content. It's just being in existence for the sake of being in existence. That's what the sense of touch, the physical, the material, the coarse, the crass represents. So, so it's so distant, it's so the opposite of anything that's spiritual, that no amount of progression will ever evolve into, or devolve into something material. So how do you make that leap from something spiritual to something physical and material? So the Torah says, Bereshit bara. As Nachmanari says, that's what we're going to learn now, that it's called Bria, something from nothing. This is the meaning, Bria, Hashem created. Only God has the ability, and God has the ability to create something from nothing. Something that did not exist in its source. There's no justification. It's not a logical progression. Something that suddenly, out of nowhere, appears. The creation is something from nothing. The material is something from nothing. How do you get from pure atomic energy to something physical? There's no connection. They're exact opposites. And yet, the spiritual suddenly, and here we are, physical. How do you get from from energy to matter, it makes no sense. That's called something from nothing. It's not that the table existed in the spiritual and it evolved and it appears like the mother exists in the child, the womb of the child, the womb, the child exists in the womb of the mother, and then it appears out of the womb of the mother. The emotions exist within the idea, and then the idea gives birth to the emotion, and the emotions emerge. It evolves. Physical material cannot evolve from something spiritual. So where does it come from? From nothing. That's what it means, something from nothing. Because it's, it doesn't exist in its source. It's completely divorced and disconnected from its source. Its source is the exact opposite of this something. The, the nothing is the exact opposite of something. Because the question was, why do we call it something from nothing? It's really nothing from something. We're nothing. <laughs> and we come from Hashem, who's something. It's a very, very, very strange uh, expression. Something from, we're the something, and our creator is nothing? Or really? But something from nothing, because we are something. We exist. Our egos, we feel ourselves. But our egos are completely divorced. As if it has no source completely disconnected, completely divorced from a source. So much so that we deny even common sense and logic that if there's effect, there has to be a cause. So much so that anyone that suggests intelligent design is completely ridiculed today. 
by the so-called pseudo-intellectuals, the authorities, and the intelligentsia of the day, universities, and the, and the, and the uh, press. Are you so foolish enough to believe intelligent design? <laughs> Any five-year-old child knows that there's no intelligent design. You know. Any five-year-old child knows that how could there not be intelligent design? But this is the position. This is the position. And it feels so comfortable. And this is this absolute ego. Physical, the tangible, continue your existence, self-preservation. And there is no rhyme, there's no reason, there's no need for a reason, there's no justification. I'm not looking for a reason, I'm not hungry for a reason, I'm not searching for any reason. I exist, period. It's completely illogical, completely irrational, and yet it feels so right. It feels so natural. Where does this come from? This is something, we feel like something, and from nothing. We have no source. We don't need a source. I don't need a reason, I don't need a justification, I don't need a cause. Oh yeah? This is the meaning of Berea, Bereshit Bara. God creates something from nothing, which specifically refers to, in the most, um, in the most, prom- in the most uh, pronounced way, in the creation of the physical and the tangible. Because everything is really something from nothing. As it says, God created heaven and earth. Heaven is also creation something from nothing. Even the divine wisdom, the, the divine supernal wisdom of the world of emanation is also something from nothing. But there it has a whole different connotation. There, it's something that knows that it has a source. But it does, can't comprehend its source its source is beyond its comprehension, so we call it nothing because it's beyond my comprehension. But the most pronounced meaning of something from nothing and its most pronounced uh, expression is when you create in the physical. Because the physical, something from nothing is not, I'm wondering where my source is. Yesh, may I, and where do I come from? No. Yesh, maya means I come from nothing. I have no source. I come from nowhere. I am. I am because I am. And I always was. I always will be. That's how we feel. That's ego. Absolute ego. And that's what drives this world, this physical universe. From the amoeba on up, everyone wants to continue its existence. Whether justified, not justified, meaning, no meaning, purpose, no purpose. I am. When taken in exaggerated form, this becomes evil. Absolute ego. Absolute arrogance and absolute stupidity. <laughs> and then it becomes dangerous as well, as in the cancer cell. Completely suicidal, self-destructive, just wreaks havoc and, brings, and wreaks negativity and destroys everything. Everything is healthy and good and decent in its path. But this is a physical manifestation of a spiritual malady. The emperor of all illnesses come from the, comes from the spiritual malady, the emperor of all spiritual maladies, which is ego. It's not a detail. All the details, all the negativity just flows from the emperor of all maladies, the emperor of all evil, which is ego. I. I. No content. No purpose. No point. Just crassness, coarseness, arrogance, utter stupidity, foolishness. 
I am because I am. Life is just living for the moment. Have fun. There's no rhyme. There's no reason. There's no point. There's no purpose. We're not coming from anywhere. We're not going anywhere. There's no root. There's no source. All there is is me, myself, and I. And I'm going to celebrate that and I'm going to be proud of it and parade in the streets, parade my coarseness, parade my crassness, parade my emptiness. This is what passes today for enlightenment. This is called advance. This is called progress. But this is the position of yesh, ego. Pure, unadulterated, absolute ego. That's the physical and the tangible. Where does this come from? As far as we feel, as far as we're concerned, it's something from nothing. We have no source, nothing. We don't exist in the source. Completely disconnected, divorced from anything above us. Not only from anything spiritual, but even from anything logical. Any causes, any intelligence, intelligent design, logic, reason. No, I just exist, period. Self-contained reality. Sounds pretty tragic, pretty sad, (laughs) pretty pathetic. But that is the world that Hashem created. That's the world, something from nothing. It's astonishing, actually, to create such a world, such a reality, such a universe, almost a make-believe universe. A universe that's completely based on false information. As Alter Rebbe is going to explain in a second, he's going to ask, wait a minute, this is not an accurate description. It's a lie. It's false. Because in truth, not only do we have a root, not only do we have a source, not only do we have a cause, but the truth is that God is creating us each and every moment. We couldn't exist for one split second without the divine energy that's constantly creating us. As the modern physicist knows, that the energy is constantly transforming itself into matter. This table appears to be inert and dead, but the truth is it's alive and vibrant and dynamic and something miraculous, transformational is happening as we speak. Pure energy is being transformed as we speak into matter. The most miraculous process that's ongoing. This world is pulsating with energy, is alive. Matter is energy. All of modern physics. This is the revolution modern physics, this insight and understanding, and nothing is the way it appears to be. The exact opposite of the way it appears to be. So in truth, the reality is, our reality is, our reality, that we are completely nullified before God. We are completely unified in the absolute unity of God. We're completely nullified before God. It's just an illusion. It's a false narrative. It's a Madison Avenue hype. It's a Baba Meister. This whole sense of ego and arrogance and self-importance and self-inflation. And I don't need God and this habri and this, this I'm in charge and I'm in control. I'm a self-made man. With everything that we know now, self-made man, a hundred trillion cells, you're clueless about 99.9% of how your body works. 
has nothing to do with your, and this habri, I am in charge, I am in control. You're in charge of nothing, you're in control of even less. And today the honest scientist, the genuine scientist acknowledges that the whole known universe is 4% of the universe, or 6% of the universe. That 94% of the universe, not only we don't know anything about, we can't know. We don't even have the tools with which to know. And they use the analogy of the person who's in the middle of the night is standing on the beach. And he's imagining that that's the whole world. The whole world is the water lapping at the beach. And he has no clue and doesn't realize that beyond the beach there's an ocean, a Pacific Ocean that stretches 75, uh, three quarters of the world. And his whole slice of reality is a little, tiny, little strip of the beach. And he's taking it to the lab and he's measuring and he's creating a whole picture of reality has no clue that there's a whole ocean, a whole world, a whole universe that he doesn't even see. He can't see. So our whole known universe, all the science, everything that we know, we can only know 4, 4% to 6%. The rest, not only we don't know, we'll never know, we can't know, we don't have the tools with which to know. That's our humbling that's the humbling reality. Dark matter and dark space and dark... We can't even begin to describe. We don't even have the tools which to describe. That's a humbling realization. So it's like our whole known universe, like we're taking a drop out of the ocean. And we take this drop and take it to the laboratory and we dissect it and cut it. And this becomes, oh, we speak with scientific certainty. You know, this, is, this is reality. Firstly, it's a false representation because the drop doesn't happen to be apart from the ocean. The drop is part of the ocean. You can't really separate the drop from the ocean. But since we can't take the ocean to the laboratory, so we just take a drop. So even looking at this drop, we're getting a completely distorted picture. But all it is is a drop. So whom are you kidding? So at best, science admits that we can only talk in approximations. We talk in human terms to describe something that's inherently infinite, so beyond us, beyond our comprehension, beyond our capacity to comprehend. So this arrogance and this habri, it's a sad, tragic Madison Avenue hype. So the reality is that we are nullified before God. So how can we call it something from nothing? As if we're something. And our position is that we come from nothing. We don't know of anything beyond us. All that exists is us. Completely divorced, completely disconnected from any rhyme, reason, justification, source, root, purpose, content, meaning. Why? There is no why. I exist, period. I don't need a why and I don't need a justification. It doesn't even bother me. I'll ridicule anyone who does, who does bother and does take life seriously and ask that question, why am I here and what's the point and what's the purpose? And that's the position. That's the politically correct position of today, of the pseudo-intellectuals, the so-called intelligentsia of today. And some of these fools even write books. God doesn't exist. <laughs> Reminds me of the story. Einstein was once sitting on the park bench. He hears these two little kids discussing, two five-year-olds discussing. One kid says, you know, I heard that in New York, 
we have one of the greatest geniuses of the century, perhaps the last few centuries. His name is Albert Einstein. And the other kid uh, says, um, you know, tell you the truth, I read his theories. I'm not so impressed. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what the whole world is making such a tzimmus, such a big deal about this, this uh, Jewish professor, Einstein. And he's a Jew also. So I'm not such a big fan. <laughs> what would be Einstein's reaction? He would, have, he, would, he would have the laugh of his life. This little five-year-old Schmendrick <laughs> saying opinions is Einstein does exist, doesn't exist, is intelligent, not intelligent. It's a joke. To multiply that infinite times. This professor scratches his head and says, you know, God does exist. God doesn't exist. I mean, it's... It, I mean, a joke, to call it a joke is, is a joke. So the reality is that we are completely nullified before God. God is creating us each and every moment. This world is pulsating with the divine energy. Our whole being, our substance is nothing other than the godly divine energy. I do believe in God. I don't believe in God. God, God, we are God. We are godliness. There's nothing other than godliness. There's nothing else. All there is is godliness. That's our whole being. That's our core. That's our essence. It's everything. Our content. Everything about us. Within and from without and all around us. And the whole entire universe. And everything is Hashem. There's nothing else. Because only God can create something from nothing. To create such an entity that senses that it's completely divorced and completely disconnected. This makes no sense. To transform something spiritual, which the whole essence of spirituality is, understanding that there is a source, and connecting to the source, and yearning for its source, and striving to be closer to its source. How do you get from spirituality, from energy to matter, which is the antithesis? which is completely divorced, disconnected. It's all about self-preservation, ego, continuing my existence, no rhyme, no reason, no point, no purpose, just existing for the sake of existing. How did that, where do you get that? How did that come? How do you get from point A to point B? There's nothing that prepares you. How do you make that leap? It's the exact opposite. It's like going from light to darkness. How do you get from one, only Hashem, creates and constantly has to create and bring us into existence. So the reality and truth is that we're nothing other than the, the divine creative energy that's constantly bringing us into existence, that's creating this physical world. It's, and we, it's especially highlighted in the creation of the physical, of the material, of the body, of this world, this tangible world that we live in, the lowest of all the worlds, the physical universe. So the truth is that we're not something. We're completely nullified before God. It's just an illusion. It's a sad joke. It's a tragic lie. That's what he's going to ask now. Okay, so let's learn inside. The coming about of substantiality ex nihilo as the Rambam points out in his commentary to the Torah, Bariya is the only term in the Holy Tongue for absolutely innovative creation, creation ex nihilo. In any progression from ila, cause, to alu, effect, 
the alu existed previously as well, albeit in a distinctly different state. The term creation, by contrast, describes the coming into existence of something that until now did not exist. For, as mentioned earlier, it is impossible for yesh, created substantiality, to be found within ayin, nothingness. Were it to be otherwise, the ayin itself would cease to be ayin and would itself become yesh. And although created substance is also as naught before him, for everything, including the created yesh, is as naught before him. That is, it is essentially non-existent, insertion by the Rebbe Shlita, not only in relation to Hashem's essence, which utterly transcends worlds and creation, but also within creation, in relation to the energy and light that flow into it. This force and light, deriving from the kilim of the ten seferot of Atzuah, and into which the Kav of the infinite Einsof light radiates. Though we are speaking only of the creative force, the Kilim of the tense of Pharaoh that animates created beings, this too may be turned before him, since within these Kilim is found the radiance of the Einsof light. And thus the degree of nullification of created beings is like that of a sun ray while still in its source within the sun. While they are all still in the orb of the sun, sun rays are essentially non-existent. There they contribute to no independent, independently identifiable illumination. Nothing exists there but their source, the orb of the sun, the luminary from which they derive. As explained in the Kuti Amarim Tanya, Part two, that all created beings are truly nullified in relation to their source to the same degree as the sun's rays are nullified within their source. So you can't give what you don't have. If the sun is able to emanate light, surely the sun itself, the orb of the sun itself, has light. But when you look at the sun, what do you see? I just see the sun. I don't see, in the sun, I don't see the light in the sun. The sun itself, all I see is the sun, because the light is, is completely nullified within the sun. It's all part of the sun. There's nothing other than the sun. The light doesn't add anything to the sun. The light comes from the sun. So the light doesn't add anything to the sun. All there is is the sun, the source. I don't see anything else. So too, all of creation, which is created through the divine energy, everything in this world has a divine energy, constantly and continuously creating it. So existence, everything that's brought into existence exists within its source, which is within the divine energy, that's kind of the creative divine energy that's creating it. So, when, so really, in reality, when I look at something, what should I see? I shouldn't even see the physical. All I should see is the source, the sun, the, its source. All I should see is the infinite divine creative energy the dynamic, vibrant, divine, infinite, creative energy. I shouldn't even notice the physical. Just like when I look at the sun, I don't even notice the light that's within the sun. All there is is the sun. The light is there, but I don't notice it. It's not that it's not there. Of course it's there. But I don't see it. I don't notice it. It doesn't mean anything. So when you look 
when we look at the table, when I look at, the, 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 at you, we look at the, at the tree, what should we see? Really, we should see the divine energy, the infinite, dynamic, vibrant, divine, creative energy. That process that's creating, I should, all I should notice is the divine energy. I shouldn't even see the physical tree. It, it's there. I'm not saying it's not there. It's creating it. Just like the light of the sun is there. But all I see is the sun. It's source. The orb. So too, all we should see is the source. The divine energy that's within the tree, that's bringing the tree, is creating the tree. I shouldn't even notice the tree. To be completely nullified. And that is the truth. God sees it. We don't see it, but that's the truth. That's the reality. That is our reality. We are nothing other than the divine energy that is creating us as we speak at this very moment, this dynamic, infinite, creative, divine energy that's creating us. That's all we are. That is our substance. That is our core. That is our essence. There is nothing else. All we should notice is that divine energy. That is our content. That is what we're all about. We're nothing else. We are made of the stuff of the divine. And yet, we look at this world. What do I see? Divine? God? What? When? Where? I see a tree. <laughs> we see ourselves. We feel ourselves. God? Abstraction. Tragically, for too many people, completely irrelevant. A total distortion. The exact opposite of reality. This is, this is Disney World. This is La La Land. This is a bad movie. <laughs> this is a complete optical illusion. So far from truth. So far from reality. This is a false narrative. We're seeing something the, the exact opposite of the way it truly is. Imagine you ran a business based on principles that are completely wrong. <laughs> falsehoods, lies. You'll be out of business in a second. It's our whole premise, our whole underlying assumption of our truths, of our reality is completely cockeyed, completely distorted, upside down. But the reality is that we are completely one and nullified and before Hashem. The question is, how can we say, Dr. Rebbe asked, how can we say something from nothing? He said, if the world would have been created through Hishtalshalut, by devolving one level to the next, we can never be something. We wouldn't have any egos. So God created a something from nothing, and now we're something. When in truth and reality is, now we're also nothing. Because we're nothing other than the divine energy, the nothing that's constantly creating us. What we call nothing, which is the truth, the reality of the divine energy is constantly creating us. That is who we are. There is nothing else. So we're not something from nothing. You can say nothing from nothing. Not something from nothing. In light of the above, how can we possibly say that if creation would result from Ilah and Allah, Created beings would not exist in a manner of yesh, but would be nullified to their source. When in truth, even after they were created ex nihilo, they are still truly nullified within their source, like the sun's rays within the sun. 
The Alter Rebbe answers, however, this is only before him, as seen from the heavenly perspective, the Ad Yon, from which Hashem knows creation, his knowledge perceiving from above netherwards. But as seen from the earthbound perspective, the Ad Kachon, of created beings, with a knowledge that proceeds from below upwards, created yesh is an altogether separate thing in this knowledge and apprehension from below. So there's two perspectives. There is the perspective from the top down, from the top of the mountain, and there's a perspective from the bottom up. The perspective from the top down, God's perspective, is the truth, the reality, from the inside out, that we are nothing. We don't even exist, just like the sun. The sun has light, but the sun doesn't, doesn't even, can't even find it within itself. It's there, but all there is is the sun. There is nothing else. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't add anything to the sun. It's there, but it doesn't mean anything. It's, it's as if it doesn't exist. It's an existence. It's a being. It's, it's in a state of non-being and non-existence. The light is there, but the light is in a being of, of, of non, a state of non-being and non-existence. All there is is the sun. It's all I see and it's all I notice. And the sun can't even find it in itself. So too, the divine energy, not only God himself, God Almighty himself, even God's light and the divine energy that's constantly, God's creative energy is constantly creating us from the perspective of the divine energy, all that there is is the divine energy. There is nothing else. Because we, everything that's brought into existence, all the entities that are brought into existence are within their source, within their divine energy which is constantly and continuously creating them. So all, all, that, all that the divine energy sees and notices is the divine energy. There is nothing else. A being, existence, is really in a state of non-being and non-existence. That's the true perspective, from the top down, from the inside out. But from our perspective, from the bottom up, from our point of view, we were created in a way where we are completely divorced and disconnected from any sense of a source, from any knowledge of a source, from any sense of any source. So much so, it doesn't even trouble us and bother us to ask where we come from, why do I exist? So much so that we even deny that there's a cause, we even deny that there's a, a reason. We don't have a reason, we don't need a reason, we're not looking for a reason, we're not, we don't have any justification, we're not looking for any justification. I am because I am. Sue me. I'm an American. I have rights. <laughs> I exist. Period. I could be a, a pimple. There's no reason why I should exist. I'm absolutely destructive, cancerous, destroying everything around me. I exist. Period. I'll swallow up everything, destroy everything, anything to continue my existence. I'm hurting everyone around me. I exist. Make sure you spell my name right, as long as I'm in the newspaper. I exist, period. I have to have a reason, I have to justify why I should be elected to high office. I don't need a reason. Just because I am who I am, it's not reason enough. Because <laughs> I love myself and I'm great. And there's, there's, I don't need a reason. I am, period. It feels so natural, feels so comfortable. It's absolute ego. This is the way God created us. This is something from nothing. God created us something, and we don't have this, as if we have no source. So from our point of view, this is our reality. 
This is how we feel. We feel we're completely self-sufficient. We, st- we stand on our own. We don't need any support, any help. We are our own justification. And we live, we live in this bubble. We live in this, <laughs> this bubble. There's nothing there. As a scientist will tell you, this table is 99.9% empty. There's nothing here. When you go deeper into the atom, you can't find anything. The deeper you go, the less you find. And whatever is there, it just swirls around so quickly that it creates a sense of solidity. But it's almost like an optical illusion. There's, no, it, it, there's nothing here. But it doesn't feel that way. It feels very solid and very real, and you bang your head against it, it's going to hurt. But, so you have two perspectives. How does the atom see this table, and how do we see this table? Two different perspectives, two different realities. <laughs> this truth is the way the atom sees it, and that's the true perspective. It's not, it's not, it's not what we think. Nothing could be further than the truth. But our perspective, this is, this is reality. People go through their entire life and will never even suspect that there's such a thing called atoms and energy and matter is just energy and there's nothing. So there's two perspectives. That's what God created us. Something from nothing. I exist. Where do I come from? Nowhere. I am. I, I'm here. And that could only come about to creation something from nothing. If we devolve, this cannot come about from devolvement and evolvement. From something spiritual, you'll never get to something physical and tangible and coarse and craft. That's the antithesis of something spiritual, which is all about finding my source, connecting to my source, justifying, answering the question why I exist, while the physical and material is the exact opposite. I have no question. There is no why. I'm not looking for a reason. I exist because I exist. That's the physical, the tangible. So we can't evolve from anything spiritual. This is creation, something from nothing. This is the miracle of creation. This is the, the astonishing thing that we call creation, which is only God himself could create, could create something from nothing, something that has, doesn't exist in its source, something that's the antithesis of its source. The whole point of view of the source. It's the antithesis of the whole perspective of the source. It's the way the source sees us and the way we see ourselves. It's like two different universes. We're not even living in the same planet. And yet the source is within us, creating us constantly, continuously. And we have like two different universes. The true perspective from the source's point of view, the divine creative energy, and our perspective, which is completely something from nothing, completely divorced, completely disconnected from any root or source. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.